Welcome to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. WellMed Radio will educate you about health and wellness for seniors and their families throughout Bear County and Central Texas. During the next hour, your hosts Ron Aaron and nurse practitioner Cora Zhuk will share information that will help you improve your health and wellness. And now, here's Ron Aaron and Cora Zhuk. Well, thank you very much. Cora is on special assignment today. I'm Ron Aaron, your co-host here for WellMed Radio. You hear us at 9.30 a.m. The Answer, and we come to you on KLUP Radio Sunday afternoons at 5 in the afternoon. And we are delighted to welcome a very special guest into our WellMed Radio studios. She is a registered nurse and works with WellMed in clinical programs. And we're delighted to say Tamika Sanchez Good to see you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And as I read through your, your bio and, and some of the information, it's pretty interesting how you decided to get into nursing. Yes. How uh, did that happen? So when I was in high school, I took anatomy and physiology. Uh, it's kind of weird, but I got to see a cadaver. And <laughs> from that moment on, I said, this is for me. <laughs> so you're so. like hanging out with dead people. <laughs> you know, they don't talk back. Or <laughs> See, most so. people would think, and I don't want to stereotype, but a young girl in high school hanging out with a cadaver would be somewhat put off by that. You would think so, but I am amazed by how the human body works. Uh, I just, I think it is a, we're fabulous machines. So um, it, I really just fell in love. I fell in love with medicine and um, didn't necessarily want to go into um, medicine being a physician um, because I really like being with the patients at the bedside and spending a lot of time with them and talking to them. And I know physicians, they work really hard, but they don't, they get a very short amount of time. So I, I loved the idea of going into nursing and being able to help a patient right at, right there at the bedside. Yeah. Now, I had asked you before we went on the air where you grew up, and you yes. said, that's a little complicated. A long you story. grew up everywhere. I did. I kind of moved kind of north and south. I uh, was born in Louisiana, uh, so I'm a Cajun girl. Uh, and we moved to Cincinnati after that, so went from the warm humidity to... <laughs> The cold winters, uh, dealing with the snow. Uh, we moved back down to Dallas, so we kind of came back to the warm temperatures. After Dallas, we moved to Chicago. Love Chicago. I'm kind of a Chicago girl at heart. I uh, love that deep dish pizza. And then we moved. I got married and moved to New Jersey. My husband was in the Navy, moved to New Jersey, and we settled here in San Antonio. And San Antonio has been home ever since. So. I have a son who's a naval officer, now in the reserves. Okay, yes, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. a great career. It is. I mean, they get to see so much. So free travel. <laughs> is he still in the military? He's not. In, he's actually a firefighter now for San Antonio Fire Department. So he's not in the military anymore, but still serving. <laughs> now that relates to a project you did, and we'll talk about that in, in just a minute. Okay. As someone who works on clinical programs, special projects uh, for WellMed, you're not attached to any clinic. Uh, you float around. Exactly. So I'm not specifically with any uh, of the WellMed clinics, but I am in the corporate office, so I'm free for any of the clinics to use. I work on a lot of projects that uh, are implemented in our in our clinics, and I, it just it feels so great. It's very fulfilling to be able to know that I make an impact all over WellMed. You're not with patients. Not with patients directly. Now, not do you directly. miss that? I do. I really do miss the interaction. Uh, you know, it's kind of nice to be able to sit and talk to your patients, learn a little bit more about them and about their families, and really get to get that connection. I do miss that. Now, Wellman has extended hours in some clinics. We could get you into one of those weekends <laughs> if you want. I'm sure they wouldn't mind. Pick up a shift or two, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> Put my name down. <laughs> one of the things uh, we were talking about is part of your focus is helping providers uh, with optimum care yes. so that patients receive the same care, the high-level care uh, in clinic after clinic, uh, and that it's seamless. Exactly. So what is it you're telling physicians who really always want to get advice? Yes. So, uh, you know, everybody in the medical field really wants what's best for their patients. They want to know what the best practices are. So I work with, uh, including some other members of my team, we work on our clinical practice guidelines where we're providing the best evidence, the best practices out there. Uh, for certain disease states. So there's, uh, we'll work on like diabetes or chronic uh, heart failure, um, COPD. So there's a lot of chronic uh, disease states that we were working on uh, just to provide these physicians and uh, nurse practitioners and physicians assistants with the best evidence out there. Now, what would be an example? I happen to have AFib. So uh, I deal with issues as long as it's maintained and my sinus rhythm is normal, life is good. Right. So a lot of our guidelines will 
um, help the provider in determining what's the best practice to get you to optimal health. What kind of screenings should we be doing for someone with this condition? Uh, what kind of treatments are available? Are there new uh, pharma, you know, pharmacological treatments available, new drugs out there that we can put a patient on so they, they can live their best life and best quality of life? That's, now that's what's important. Well, that's always one of the challenges because yes. on the list of drugs uh, that are covered under any insurance company, the ones you really need are the ones you can't afford. Exactly. And so that's always a challenge. So we also work with our with our pharmacy department um, in making sure that we are getting not only the best medicines out there, but the ones that are being covered because it doesn't make sense to prescribe a medication that your patient can't afford. So, and yeah. it also turns out that some of the older medications are probably as good or better. Can still work. Yes, exactly. It's like wanting a new car. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the newest medicine. Right, exactly. And we all see the ads on TV and we're right. like, oh, I need to ask my doctor about getting that drug. Well, maybe that's not the right one for you. And then you hear this list of side effects and, well, if you have this condition, you can't have it. So it's best to talk to your doctor, of course. But just because you see a new drug on TV doesn't mean that the treatment that you're already on isn't working. So, so how do providers keep up uh, on what's new in uh, medicines, what's new in treatments? Yes. That's uh, how do the they stay on top of it? Exactly. That's the hard part. And that's why I feel like the guidelines are so important because it does help kind of get all that new information out there into the hands of the providers because there's new, there are new treatments and new drugs and things coming out every single day. So um, it's really hard to stay on top of everything. We have to read a lot, do a lot of research. And again, everything is individualized for our patients. So we need to make sure we know all of it. Now, if you just joined us, we're talking with Nurse RN, Vice President at WellMed. Got <laughs> not, a lot of titles. No, not Vice President at WellMed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that title yet. <laughs> Tamika Sanchez, who is a registered nurse, clinical programs at uh, Special Projects. Yes. Uh, for WellMed, and we're talking about not only what she does, but how it affects patients, because that's the key. Exactly. And, and one of the things that, uh, and I'm a pretty good example, because what WellMed does, uh, and independent studies confirm this, patients who are Medicare eligible live longer as a WellMed patient than with any other provider. Exactly. And I'm still here. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> And we're happy about that. Exactly. Full of life. And that's what it's about is just enjoying your life, not only just living, but, you know, just really enjoying your life. And that's what it's about. And so definitely we want uh, that's what I'm so proud of when you're working for WellMed is our patients are the best. I mean, really, they are the best. They I go to the senior centers and I get to see them doing Zumba and, you know, they're uh, at the gym working out and they're playing chess and reading books. And it's just like, man, this is amazing. It, it just 65 doesn't mean it's over, you know. And the senior centers <laughs> by WellMed, there's no cost to join. Exactly. Exactly. So it's a great program. I, I really do enjoy working for WellMed and what they provide for their patients. Now, yeah. does your work extend beyond San Antonio You into Dallas? Corpus Christi and down into Florida as well. Exactly. So and now Dallas and Houston just added a clinic. Yes, exactly. So a lot of the programs that I get to work on do get into those markets also, and I get to work with a lot of the providers in you know Dallas and in Florida, and it's it's just a great privilege. I love it. You gave me a list of some of the things that uh, you've been doing on yeah. behalf of uh, your twenty plus year career in nursing. You've worked in long term care, yes, gynecology, oncology. Not called for a lot at WellMed. Hospice, labor and delivery. You haven't delivered babies in a while, right? I haven't. But you're ready. <laughs> I'm ready to go if anybody needs me. Boil water, you're ready. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then I put a line under this with a question mark, and you explained it. Uh, you work in aesthetic nursing. Yes. Now, for those who are at some of the senior centers, they will remember you because... You're the one who brings the Botox. That's right. <laughs> it was a fun job. It was a fun part of my career learning how to do aesthetic nursing. And it was something actually when I went to nursing school, I had no idea that there was such a thing. But uh, that's the great thing about nursing is that there are so many avenues that you can get into. So, yes, I Love making people look beautiful. <laughs> no, I want to. don't want to suggest you're using Botox, but you don't have a single wrinkle in your forehead. I haven't used Botox, but thank you. <laughs> no, your skin looks great. <laughs> thank so you. Thank th you. That's something we could all learn from you. Yes. I, you know, I really did love learning about aesthetic nursing and how to take care of the skin. It's our number one defense. So It's yeah. also your largest organ. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Which is, most people don't realize it's an organ. Exactly. They don't. It really does a lot for you. So, yeah. So when you went into the senior centers and offered uh, aesthetic nursing, 
did folks jump right on that? No, actually, <laughs> most people are pretty happy. And that's what I love about, about our well-med patients is that they are so confident in themselves and they're so happy. Yeah, uh, nobody, nobody was uh, saying, sign <laughs> me up <laughs> for that injection. <laughs> but you had a few. But, you know. <laughs> it's word of mouth it's, once you get one, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. Interesting. <laughs> exactly. Uh, as you take a look at uh, how the population is aging, yes. uh, and, and certainly WellMed is uh, at the head of that curve uh, with 10,000 baby boomers turning 65 uh, every year. Uh, the numbers of seniors who are eligible as for Medicare and, and for companies uh, like Medicare Advantage at WellMed, mm -hmm. those numbers are growing exponentially. Exactly, yes. I mean, our numbers are just through the roof, and they're projected to continue to grow. So it's definitely something that um, I feel like the medical community needs to focus on. But the challenge, mm -hmm. not to make a comparison with fast food restaurant chains, yeah. <laughs> challenges like McDonald's and Burger King and, and uh, uh, you know, whatever it is, Whataburger, uh, you may grow exponentially, but you have to keep the same quality uh, consistent in every one of our clinics. Exactly. Exactly. So how do you do that? So WellMed's really good about making sure that we can take our WellMed care model and take it wherever we need to. And that's the one thing that's really made WellMed stand out. Other other providers are seeing what we're doing. Other clinics are seeing what we're doing and they're like, we need to do that, you know, because it works. It works. Now, when you say well-med care model, what do you mean by that? So that optimal care, that right care for the patients, making sure that we are providing not, not only uh, the proper care for them, but something that's uh, cost effective. We, we don't want to just start spending, you know, money saying, well, let's just order, you know, these 20 tests if it's not necessary. That's that's an abuse of, of, of the care system. So yeah, definitely making sure that not only do our patients get optimal care, but it's the right care. And over-testing is done uh, in some clinics really as a defensive measure for lawsuits. Yes. Yeah. Well, Tamika, why didn't you do this test? Right. And, and that's the unfortunate thing about healthcare nowadays is that that the legal side of it, people are kind of, you know, really eager to sue and, and you know, and, and say, well, you should have seen this or you should have done this. It's, you know, every everybody's care has to be individualized. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is I can't, it's not cookie cutter. I can't say why well, I gave, you know, Joe, this type of treatment, you have the same, you know, disease state, so we're just going to give you the same treatment. It might not work for Sue. So we, we need to make sure that we individualize everything. Yeah. And that's being done. And that is being done at WellMed. It's, it's, it, I love the fact that these providers can take the time with their patients, get to know them, talk to them. It's not a cattle call. It's not just, you know, running people through the office. Um, yeah, they sit down and talk to them and really find out what their needs are. They're yeah. not paid by the piece like on the exactly. assembly line. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You know, we're sorry, doctor. You only saw 400 patients today. You need to bring that number up. Exactly. Exactly. So, And, and the other thing that I hear from uh, certainly some providers at Wellman and elsewhere, mm -hmm. uh, the huge difference between waiting to treat someone when they're already sick yes. uh, versus preventing illness. Exactly. Again, that's something that I love about WellMed is that we're about preventative health and that's the way it is. I shouldn't have to, you know, get in the hospital for you to take care of me. I don't want to get to the hospital at all. So, you know, take care of me before it gets that bad. I, I love that about WellMed. And yeah, nobody should be in the hospital. No, no, you're unless it. you're having a baby. <laughs> and more and more are trying to do that at home in their bathtub. Yes, I they guess. are. Yes, they are. There's that too. So, you know, Hospitals might go out of business. Did you do any water deliveries? <laughs> you know, know, some women are jumping on that idea. Uh, not on purpose. We've had some water deliveries, but not on purpose. <laughs> that would be at the pool. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> in the showers. And so, right. yeah, uh -huh. we've had a couple of those. Yeah. Pretty, but, pretty but interesting. not in a big pool of water. Not in a big pool. Yeah. And some of the hospitals that I've worked in, I didn't work in any birthing centers. But yeah, the hospitals that I worked in didn't have like a tub or right. a birthing pool or anything. Right. But yeah, but it would happen. So those babies come when they want to come. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And they're slippery. They are slippery little ones. They really are. So, <laughs> but I loved it. I loved it. Uh, and, and in terms of what you're doing now, I, I'd said early on, uh, not a lot of patient contact, right. indirect patient contact. Exactly. You're able to help many more than you could do one-on-one. -on -one. Very true. What else do you like about what you're doing? Um, just the, I feel like I'm making uh, a bigger impact. I, I my, my, my reach is further, it feels like. And so I'm not only touching the patients, but I'm touching the providers more and, and uh, you know, 
I love that. I love being able to, you know, help everyone. Yeah, I love now, that. Now, you had mentioned uh, off the air, and we'll get to this in just a minute, that uh, your husband's a retired Navy, now a firefighter. Yes. And you were involved in a project with the fire department. I want to yes. find out about that. Okay. I'm glad you're with us here on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron. We're talking with Tamika Sanchez, who is a registered nurse, bachelor in nursing. She's clinical program special projects at WellMed. You hear us at 9.30 a.m. The Answer Corjuke is on special assignment today, and she'll be back in a couple of weeks. Carol Zornio, we talk a lot about caregiving on Caregiver SOS on air, but what is it? Caregiving is caring for a family member, a friend, a loved one, someone who's in your life that needs help with bathing, dressing, buying groceries, medical appointments. If you do any of those things, you're a caregiver. And how can this program help? Caregiver SOS on air has information from people who have been caregivers, who work with caregivers. It can be book authors, scientists, doctors, the latest information on caregiving right here on KLUP. And one of the things we learn from so many folks is they fail to ask for help when they need it. Well, caregivers do need help. We don't like to ask for help, but we need it. And you'll get tips on how to ask for help and how to have a better life as a family caregiver. Plus, there's a great website you can go to, caregiversos.org. Caregiver SOS on air, Sundays at 6 p.m. on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. We are so glad you were with us here on WellMed Radio on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron, our co-host, Cora Juke, on special assignment today. But that doesn't matter. We're having a really good time talking with Tamika Sanchez, who is a registered nurse, with WellMed Clinical Programs Special Projects. And she had mentioned to me off the air about a neat program at UT Health, Medical Assistance Mentorship Program called Aspire. Yes. So actually, the Aspire program is with WellMed. Um, It's a fantastic program for any medical assistants that are looking to become nurses. Um, I really appreciate this type of program because as Myself, I mean, as a CNA, I started as a CNA before I became a nurse. And a CNA I'm is... sorry, a certified nurse's assistant. Sorry about that. That's all right. Uh, yeah, so I was a nurse's assistant in the hospital before I became a nurse, and I had mentors helping me, telling me, you need, you know, you're smart. You need to go into nursing, you know, do this. You know, this is the way you get started. And so it was. it feels really good to be able to give back to people that are trying to do the same thing, become nurses. So the Aspire program pairs up a a medical assistant with an experienced nurse. And so they're mentors and they help them, listen, these nursing programs are out there. This is how you need to get started uh, trying to balance work and life and kids and studying and you know all that stuff takes a lot of support um, and not everybody has the support that they need some people think oh, I'm too old to do this or you know I can't I can't juggle all you know full-time work and going to school I've got two kids you know so there's all sorts of things but we're there to say you know what you can do this you can and and I think some of us just need a cheerleader and I love being that cheerleader and there are always jobs for registered nurses always everywhere. always everywhere I mean, it's amazing. Uh, like I was telling you earlier, the thing about nursing is that there's so many avenues that you can go into. I think a lot of people think nursing is strictly in the hospital, um, but it isn't. I mean, we need nurses, especially in primary care. Uh, we definitely need nurses. Uh, it, it, we need nurses everywhere, out in the communities. Public health is so important to have nurses out there for uh, in the rural communities. I mean, we, you know, San Antonio is a big city, but we have you know, those outskirts that need nurses also. So it's really important that, you know, if someone wants to get into nursing, I'm, I want to be there for them and help, and help them get there. And the Aspire program helps with that. And the Aspire program helps with that. We help with uh, trying to find out, you know, tuition and um, reimbursement, uh, help them with discounts. Um, with different uh, nursing schools in the city, we actually have them give a presentation to our uh, nurse, to our medical assistants and say, you know, this is what our program offers. We offer night school or we offer weekends or, you know, and those are the things that our working medical assistants need. Yeah. Uh, as a patient, when, when you go into a clinic, mm-hmm. uh, you don't necessarily know unless you read the badges with uh, all that tiny little print. Yes. Who's a medical assistant? Who's an RN? 
can you tell when you you meet somebody? Yeah, you know, some clinics and some um, some facilities will have their medical assistants wear like a different scrub color, um, and, and the nurses will wear a different color. Or on the badge, it'll actually have kind of a larger print where it'll say RN or LVN or MA. So it's just it's easy. You might not be able to see the tiny name, right. but you can see. Okay, I am talking to a medical assistant right now, or I'm talking to a registered nurse right now, which really means a lot because our scopes are different. You know, everybody's scope is different. So an RN can do a little bit more for you than a medical assistant can. And it's important that the patients know that. And not to expect more from a medical assistant. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, there might be, you know, something that you can ask uh, your registered nurse that your medical assistant wouldn't be able to answer. So, yeah, I think it's very important for our patients to know who they're speaking to. Definitely. Now, we were about to talk about uh, a program with the fire department. Your husband retired Navy and uh, and now a firefighter here in San Antonio. Yes, yes. He's been a firefighter since 2005, so 14 years already. Wow. Which house is he connected to? So he's over on the east side now. He's at Station 18. Uh, It's a brand new station. It's beautiful. It's great. Um, So yeah, he was actually uh, downtown for most of his career uh, at Station 1, the very first San Antonio fire station uh, with Hazmat. And uh, he really enjoyed learning that. I mean, it, it's great being in a specialty team. So uh, uh, it wasn't so nice for me when I would see uh, <laughs> things on the news. Right. But, um, but d- he really enjoys his career. Chlorine is spilled all over the freeway. <laughs> and there's Tamika's husband. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right in the middle of it. <laughs> so, yeah. But I, I do. I, I, you know, I'm proud of him. I'm very proud of him. And it's great. What was the program that you have? put together with the fire department. Yeah, so um, it started actually uh, a news piece that I saw on TV where there was a senior, an an older uh, adult who um, could not change the batteries in her fire alarm, in her smoke alarm, her smoke detector. And I thought to myself, we've got to have patients that are the same. They cannot reach their smoke alarm, their uh, smoke detector. Well, they can't even tie their shoes, some of them. (laughs) Some, so it's like, how are they supposed to reach the smoke detector up on the ceiling? And that's a big risk. You know, when you can't, when you don't have fresh batteries, it it doesn't detect the smoke. And if you can't detect smoke, then you don't know that there's a fire. So, Well, there was a story not long ago. I I live in the 78209 zip code, and uh, it's not Alamo Heights. 78209 covers Alamo Heights in San Antonio. Uh, But a grandmother caring for her uh, grandson, he was living with her permanently uh, in Alamo Heights, uh, two blocks from the firehouse, mm-hmm. died in a fire. They had no smoke detector exactly. in the house, exactly. none. Exactly. And they died, smoke inhalation. Exactly. It kills. And it, it kills. It kills and it's unnecessary because it's, we're talking about batteries or the fact that the fire department can install smoke detectors. And they give free them. smoke detectors. Exactly, exactly. So it's really unnecessary. And it was really, when I saw that, on TV, when I saw that news piece, I said, we've got to do something. We've got to let you know our seniors know that there's a program available where they can get free smoke detectors if they don't have them in their home. So what did you do? So what I did was I partnered up with the San Antonio Fire Department and got um, two presentations together for our uh, seniors in our WellMed Senior Centers, uh, provided a couple light snacks. Uh, yeah, yeah, food some, will bring anybody. Oh, you know it. Yeah. <laughs> Feed them, they shall come. Yeah, it was between the snacks and the firefighters. There right. were, all the women were like, yeah, I'm going to that right yeah i want me a firefighter exactly so yeah so we had a great turnout we had a nice presentation about what uh what um our seniors can do to make sure that they're safe um what they need to do in case they are in a fire um how they can prevent uh you know kind of tragedy i hate to say it but tragedy how to prevent tragedy Um, making sure that you have things like your medication list with you if you do have to get out of your house quickly have something right next to your bed where you can just grab a medication list or give it to uh, a neighbor or a friend that you know knows you um, so they can have that for you in case something does happen. So, Because there are things that the firefighters and the uh, EMTs, the emergency medical uh, technicians need to know um, if they have to treat you. So those are important things too. And then again, like I was saying, no, just knowing that they can call 311 and try to get on the list to uh, get a smoke detector, I mean, that's that's so simple and easy. And, and so I, I was happy to, to make sure that we got that out there. I'm friendly with uh, Buddy Kuhn, now the city manager in Alamo Heights, okay. but he was the fire chief uh, when this tragic fire occurred okay. uh, about a year ago. Uh, and I talked to him afterwards, and he was just torn up about it yes. because they go in the house, uh, and a little boy, mm-hmm. he was six, mm-hmm. uh, and grandmother are both dead. 
And then, of course, they do a search. No fire alarms in the entire house. And it just drives them crazy. Yes. It's sad. It's awful. Yes. But it was was preventable. Exactly. Every loss hurts. Uh, but when it's preventable, it's it's just it's almost worse. It's like ten times worse when you know that if there was a smoke detector there, they could have gotten out. I, I don't know how, as a uh, first responder, you ever get over that pain. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's hard. I mean, I, I, I say the same thing. It's like you see, they, they see it on every shift. You know, they see they see it on every shift. So, um, you know, the good thing is that the you know the I what I love about the fire department is that they do take care of each other and they really do. They debrief and you know they work that stuff through and they have people that they can talk to. So I, I, I'm glad about that. that really yeah, Cora Juke, a nurse practitioner who's our co-host on this show. Her husband is a uh, first responder uh, EMS okay. Okay. Uh, out in uh, in San Antonio. Okay. All right. I wonder if my husband knows him. Uh, it probably does. <laughs> probably. Yeah. yeah. It's, as big as it is, it's kind of a small, small well, department. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's a it big is. but small it, department. Yeah. It's a fraternity. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, exactly. And a sorority because they're women firefighters they are, yes, now. Yes, they're definitely, yes, definitely some female firefighters out there. Yes. Now, what was his assignment in the military? So he was an electrician's mate in the military. So he worked on a ship, on a supply ship. Uh, he was the first on and the first off, <laughs> or the wow. last off. Yeah. First on, last off. Yeah. It, so it was hard when he would come in, you know, after a tour, He, it would, you know, He'd be like the last one off. Everybody was home already with their husbands. You're standing like, on the dock waiting. I'm standing on the dock going, where's mine? <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Uh, yeah, it's okay, though. It was okay. Yeah. You know, he, he enjoyed it. He likes working with his hands. And uh, so he really enjoyed being an electrician's mate. Yeah, mm-hmm. my son, uh, who went to the Naval Academy, uh, uh, was on a ship for a while, the uh, Carl Vincent. And uh, he, he talked about some of the challenges on board as a lawyer. He was a uh, okay. judge advocate. Okay. Uh, and it's a city. Yes. All the problems you'd have on land, you have on a ship. Exactly, exactly. Divorces, marriages, yes. deaths, uh, financial problems. Yes. Interesting. All kinds of drama. <laughs> yeah. All kinds of drama. Worse than the love boat. <laughs> love boat never had problems. I don't think it? so, right? <laughs> Only manufactured for the That's show. That's true. That's true. Interesting. For about 30 minutes. <laughs> exactly. If you just joined us, you're listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Cora Juke, is on special assignment today. Tamika Sanchez is our special guest this hour. She is a registered nurse, clinical program, and special projects at WellMed, went to St. Phillips College where she got her bachelor degree in nursing and then the University of Texas at Arlington, mm-hmm. uh, 20 years in nursing, and she's had the opportunity to, uh, as most nurses, do it all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've I kind of moved around a little bit, which is the good thing about nursing is that I've been able to experience a lot. Yeah, and one of the things you work on with WellMed is the Patient Education Materials Approval Committee. Yes. Sounds very bureaucratic. <laughs> Lots of lots of really heavy talk. No, it's actually, um, I think it's very important for us to approve the patient uh, education material coming out because this is what goes into the hands of our patients. Uh, this is how they take care of themselves. So what we end up doing is any material that comes in um, that's going to be going into the patient's hands um, from any third-party vendors, we make sure that we look through that, make sure that it's not branded where it's not promoting a very specific brand because we don't want uh, we don't want somebody to say hey are you getting a kickback <laughs> for promoting this brand or like something. a drug exactly exactly so we want to make sure that it's completely free from any branding like that and then we also want to make sure that it's readable um, that's been health literacy is a big deal now right my friend Elizabeth Lutz who runs the health collaborative in in Bear County uh, every year they have a health literacy. Uh, meeting, seminar, Uh, and it's a huge problem. And they have story after story after story uh, of a patient, for example, goes in, gets their prescription, but doesn't really speak English, and they didn't tell the pharmacy because they can print those labels in Spanish, and they end up either overdosing or underdosing and thinking they're doing the right thing. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to say that they don't know what this says. You know, they don't want to say they don't understand. Exactly. And so we want to take that that piece out. You know, there's no no need for for you to say, I don't want, I don't really understand what this is saying, but I don't want to tell my provider that I don't understand this. I don't want them to think that, you know, I, I, I can't read or, you know, have a an issue like that. So um, it's it's important that we look at these things before they get to the hands of our patients because we want them to be able to take care of themselves. Um, like I said, we're all for that optimal care 
but we want you to be able to take care of yourself too, you know? Uh, so definitely. So I, I, I like being part of that committee because we get to look at that material firsthand, make sure it's appropriate for our patients and make sure it's readable. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, a nice little project I get to work on on the side. Now, have you pr- picked up issues that, uh, but for your committee might've gotten out there? Yeah. So there are some, de- there's definitely some material out there that's being passed around that was not at the proper grade level. So we try to get our grade level anywhere between like third grade and fifth grade. Um, there's some things that are very, very high level where it's like a 50 cent word. Ex- yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's like, we don't want material out there where someone has to have a PhD to read it. I mean, that's not going to help them live their best life. So um, we want to make sure that uh, there's no sense in talking high. You know, I, if I if I can explain it to you uh, at an easy level, that means I understand it and I can make sure that you understand it. So uh, I've always thought that uh, one of the real challenges if you've been in the hospital is that discharge moment yes. where they give you instructions and all you want to do is get out of there. Of course. You're not paying attention. Yes, exactly. I just, uh, give me the papers. I'm out of here. Right, exactly. Give me the papers. Let me that sign would, it. That would be me. No, I, I understand. Me too. I'm, I'm right there with you because at that point, you're tired of being in the hospital. So that's why it is so important for those discharge instructions to be in, in jargon that's understandable. Just layman's jargon you don't want a lot of medical words in there where it's like i don't even know is that a body part or is that a medicine (laughs) so Uh, you know i i don't want to send you home with more questions than when you started read this or you will die yeah exactly (laughs) that's the thing it's like is this important should i really know should i know what this says you know so uh and like you said nobody wants to be in the hospital a minute longer than they have to be. So you're you're not really taking everything in. So it's really important to have that paperwork where you can read it, you know, and understand it. Now, so. WellMed has a team of hospitalists yes. uh, in hospitals who uh, are there on behalf of WellMed patients. Yes. What do they do? So those hospitalists, and, and I, I love having our hospitalists because that that uh, WellMed care model continues in the hospital. So our patients, our WellMed patients, continue to get that same level of care in the hospital that they would in their clinic. Um, so they're there for you uh, uh, when you can't get to your when you can't get to your provider, your uh, primary care provider. Well, they don't do hospital rounds anymore. They they kind of the hospitalist will be there, kind of just kind of I'd like to say acutely, just at that moment. Uh, so they will make rounds in the sense that every day that you're there, they'll be the there. Exactly. So that's why the hospitalist is, is a great person to have that, that great partnership. And and they talk to your PCP. And that's the other good thing. There's communication. So the hospitalist can say, well, this is what we're doing for Mrs. Smith. Um, you know, and that way your PCP, when you do get out of the hospital and you come back for your for your follow up visit, they say, OK, Dr. So and so told me that he did this and this and this. And so we're going to continue in this manner. So it, it's great to have that communication because that's another problem I feel like healthcare has is, oh, well, I saw this specialist or I saw this doctor. Oh, well, I didn't know he put you on that medication. Well, I put you on this medicine and that interacts with, you know, each other. So, yeah, so it's great to have that communication. And I do like having um, the ability to have the hospitalist there so that they can continue that well-med care. And for the patient, uh, the hospitalist will identify themselves as a well-med provider in the hospital to help you. Exactly. Uh, And for many patients, that kind of eases uh, the discomfort of being in the hospital to begin with, because you see all these strange faces. Very true. Very true. And you don't know who's who. Uh, same, like we were saying earlier, right. you can't really tell on the badge who's walking into your rooms. You don't know if this is a doctor or if this is the housekeeper. Yeah, and who's the one who wakes me up at three in the morning? <laughs> it's usually the nurse. To, <laughs> to see if you're sleeping. Exactly. Like wake you up. Right. Hello? Yeah. 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 Are you sleeping? Right. I was. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So definitely, uh, you know, it's nice to know that you do have a WellMed provider there in the hospital with you. Yes. I was in the hospital uh, a year ago, January, had knee replacement okay. surgery. And uh, there, there were two WellMed hospitals, one an NP, one, one a uh, medical doctor. Okay. Uh, I knew the medical doctor for years. I knew his family. And it was nice yes. to have that connection. Very much so. And that's the thing, again, that I love about WellMed is that you get on that personal level. I mean, it's more than just a five-minute, tell me what your problem is, here's a prescription, and they're out the door. Right. You know, it is, so how are you doing? How's your family? You know, tell me how your grandkids are doing. And and that's, when you get down on that personal level, it's a lot easier to talk and to, you know, open up and say, well, you know what, Doc? 
I've been kind of having these aches and pains. I didn't really want to complain about it, but since you asked. <laughs> so it's really nice to be able to have someone that you're familiar with, especially in a strange place like the hospital. Yeah. Yeah, my friend Robin Eikhoff, a well-med yes. uh, medical director, uh, says that the most important words a patient says is as they're leaving the office, oh, by the way. Yes. <laughs> because what follows is what's really wrong with them. Very true. Yes, Dr. Eikhoff is fantastic. Yes, that's so true. I mean, you hear it's those last few minutes where you really hear the problem. <laughs> exactly. And one of the things you said to Mika is that uh, at WellMed, doctors have more time to spend. Yes. With patients. Yes. Makes a difference? It makes a huge difference because um, I'm sure you've experienced yourself where you just, you feel rushed and you, you're like, I know I had something important to tell you, but I feel like I got to get out of here because you, you're making me feel like I'm not important right now, or you're making me feel like you've got, you know, five other appointments that you need to get to. And so um, it's so important to be able to just sit down, (sighs) breathe and say, you know, tell me what's, you know, tell me what brings you here today or, or how are you feeling today or, you know, and so it's, it's just important to kind of get that, take that pressure off because like you said, there, there's less of those, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you moments and listen. You, you get know, it all out. Exactly. You get it all out. There are times I've said to my PCP, uh, Richard Presses, Richard, yes. don't you have anything better to do than <laughs> just to sit here and talk to me? Come on, let's move this along. <laughs> But he probably enjoys it. And I have to say, the more you get to know your patients on a personal level, that is when you can really pick up on those little nuances is, you know what, he's not, Ron's not acting the same way he normally is. He's usually really kind of happy and chirpy and, you know, and, you know, talks a little bit more and he's not talking so much today. Tell you a true story. Okay. I I, I went in uh, for a regular checkup and uh, the, uh, let's see, now I don't know, nurse, MA, whatever. Yes was taking my uh, heart rate, stick your little finger in that Pulse clamp yes. thing, mm-hmm. uh, and you you know there's a problem when she says, I'll be right back. <laughs> yes. Right? Oh, yes. And her eyes are bigger than saucers. Yes. <laughs> I'll be right back. So and I that figured, doesn't help anything. I'm sure your heart rate went right up. <laughs> well, it already was up. Yeah. So I figured, okay. And, and uh, she was back in about 20 seconds with Dr. Presses. And he said, uh, you know, your heart rate's a, a little elevated. Let me take it and make sure we got the right reading. And he said, uh, uh, I need to call your wife. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> My heart rate that morning was at 189 wow. beats per minute. But I couldn't feel it. Oh, that my was the thing. goodness. So I was asymptomatic myself okay. feeling that heart rate. Right. And then I allowed his, well, I've been a little tired lately. You know, and he put things together. Uh, he he called uh, Chris Thompson, cardiologist with Wellmed. Okay, a really cool guy, by the way. And uh, we've had him on the radio. He's great on the radio too. Uh, and they agreed I needed to go uh, like stat yeah. right now right. to a Methodist uh, uh, emergency room, uh, but don't drive yourself. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he called my wife, who didn't pick up. Oh no. So I called my wife. Who didn't pick up? Oh, no. <laughs> and he tried again. I tried again. Finally, she answered the phone because so many calls had come. Yeah. I said, Gina, I could have died in the time it took you to pick up the phone. <laughs> Dr. Presses wants to talk to you. That got her attention. Yes. And he explained what was going on. And she came. And See, women are smarter than men. I was there yeah. with a car. Rather than drive herself and have a car stranded at the clinic, she took an Uber. Oh, okay. She said that uh, she figured there was something wrong when he said, I couldn't drive to the hospital. Right. And off we went. And it was AFib. Wow. Never diagnosed before. Yes, exactly. So it's those little those little. He things. caught it. Yes, exactly. Well, actually, uh, uh, the MA caught the MA, it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So whenever you hear those words, I'll be right back. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what that means. <laughs> you know. Get your wife on the phone right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Start calling now. Uh, and th- they gave me... Uh, uh, incredible hands-on care. Fantastic. That was on a Friday, so you never want to be in the hospital over the weekend. Right. But I was, and uh, Dr. Thompson and, and a couple of his associates checked on me. They, they put me on meds immediately. Uh, it didn't really bring the heart rate down, so they did a cardioversion where they mm-hmm. shocked the hell out of your heart. Yes, yes. Right? not comfortable. Clear. <laughs> exactly. I didn't mind it because okay. I was asleep. They, okay, good. <laughs> Good. He gave me a very light sedative. And, okay. And so, other than they said, man, you really slam back into the bed, you're fine. <laughs> and 
That time it didn't work, and so they mm-hmm. did it again, and heart came to normal sinus rhythm, and okay. boom, here I am. Wow. But if the the MAA and Dr. Presses weren't on their game, exactly, uh, it might not have been good, because I was not on a blood thinner then, so I, I could have had a stroke. Exactly, exactly. I mean, could you imagine if that MAA just put that pulse ox on your finger and walked out the room and had to take care of another patient. Right. And, you know, so it's, it's things like that where I really appreciate the fact that, you know, WellMed, like you said, it's not a numbers game with right. WellMed. Yeah. It's, you know, they're really about quality. So, yeah, I mean. And I think about oh that a goodness. lot because, yeah. uh, again, I, I couldn't tell whether my heart was beating fast or not. Yeah, exactly. So now Some people say they can always tell. Yeah. But, but I can't. Oh, my goodness. So. That's an that amazing was, story. Well, it's a true story. Yeah, I love it. I'm happy to share it because uh, you need to keep your regular appointments. That's Very number true. one. Very true. And, and number two, trust them. Yes. Yes. And because normally we just joke around. Right. And I saw for, for those minutes a different Dr. Presses. Yes. Yeah, you know, that's when you see them get suddenly serious. Suddenly he was a doctor. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's not, you know, shooting right. the breeze anymore. Right. Exactly. And it's nice to know that uh, they're there when you need them. Very true. Now, the other thing I found, I was joking with you about, you know, if you miss nursing, you could work at some of the after-hour clinics. Uh, I've gone to the Crockett Park Clinic on McCullough Mm -hmm. uh, over the weekend a few times because it is so easy to get in, to get out. Yes. Uh, And uh, it's a great, uh, really... A new program for WellMed. Yes. I mean, to have the extended hours clinics really does help our patients because healthcare isn't a nine. It's not a nine to five. You know, people don't get sick only between, you know, on business hours, you know, so it's 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 really about making it convenient, giving our patients access to care. That's what we have to do um, because we don't want them going to the hospital if they don't have to. Keep talking. I'm going to cough. Okay. All right. No problem. So again, we just want to make sure that our patients don't have to go to the hospital if they don't have to. Uh, we don't want to make the ER their doctor. It, you know, that's really impacting a large part of health care. You see that in Washington, D.C., you know, with the Affordable Care Act. Uh you know, the cost is just going through the roof. So if we can try to help minimize that patient's cost for health care, you know, it just really does help the bigger picture. Now, if you can do that, mm-hmm. can you get rid of these allergies? I, I wish I could. I wish it would just blow on out of here. You know, without being gross, <laughs> how much phlegm can one guy produce? Unfortunately, a lot. <laughs> yeah. I heard oak is really kind of picking up right now. So well, whatever. Yeah, it's it's not fun. It's not fun. My son has a major allergy. He's allergic to almost everything. So now you have an 18 year old and 11 year old. Yes, sir. Yes, would sir. you like them to go into medicine? Um, you know, that would be great. I wouldn't mind. Um, but my 18 year old is going to college for food science, actually. Oh, cool. Yes. So he's already decided he's kind of known since the seventh grade that he wants to be a food scientist, even though I don't. I never knew anything about food science. I didn't know there was such a thing. But, uh, yeah, he's, he wants to be a food scientist. And my 11-year-old just swears he's going to be a football player. <laughs> he's going to be in the NFL <laughs> at 11. You know, that's My wife does not want our boys to play football. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand with the you know, concussions. The concussions. Mm-hmm. Exactly. exactly. You think about all the kids before we became aware who've had concussions, mm-hmm. uh, who just, uh, I don't want to slam coaches, but. All right, run it off, get back in there. Exactly, exactly. We yeah. don't do that anymore. Not anymore, not anymore. They really, they're trying to take it a lot seriously. I think some people take it more serious than, than others, right. but right. yeah, they, they're definitely, we see the impact now. We see what, we see the future. Well, you so. see so many retired NFL players with brain disease. Exactly, exactly. And it's, it's killing them. Exactly, exactly. So it's, it's, you know, it's definitely not a light matter. Definitely not a light matter. Yeah. You know, so I think my, I, we kind of joke around the house. We think our 11 year old's probably going to end up being a firefighter, even though he, like your hubby, he says, like the, yeah, like his dad. But, uh, you know, like I said, he sees the NFL players on TV and thinks, oh, oh that's sure. going to be me. Sure. <laughs> NBA, NFL, you know, every 11 year old thinks that they're going to make it in the pros. <laughs> so which is more dangerous, NFL or firefighter? Exactly. I don't know. I think they're both equally dangerous, but, uh, you know, uh, 
you're, they're both running into danger. So he's obviously a risk prefer. He's a, you know, he's he's always been a, my ER kid. I've always said that he's going to be the one jumping off of things and broken bones. And <laughs> you know, it's interesting you say running into danger. I think the awareness of people in this country uh, rose so much about that job uh, during the Twin Tower disaster yes. in New York. Yes. W- with people fleeing the building. Mm-hmm. And firefighters running in. Exactly. And the Unbelievable. Pictures. And so many died. Exactly. Exactly. And you see the pictures of that. And it's amazing because, like you said, yeah. people are coming down the stairs trying yeah, to trying get, to get out. the heck out. Exactly. And firefighters running up to this fire that, when you really think about it, they wouldn't be able to put out. <laughs> so, you know, but to rescue people all on those floors, wow. you know, it's just, it, it, that's just. It's completely selfless. So. so you must never listen to the news. I I, I do listen to the news. Um, I do watch, especially if there's a fire or something. Yeah, I, I do watch. I do and look what kind of... Just check those truck numbers. <laughs> yes, <right>? that's what <laughs> I do. <laughs> that's funny. All right, stick with us. If you just joined us, you're listening to Wellman Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm sorry I'm struggling with cough and cold, but I'll survive. Fortunately, I have a nurse with me, Tamika Sanchez, who is a registered nurse, clinical program special projects at WellMed. And uh, while we bring you this important message, she's going to cure my allergies. Carol Zornio, we talk a lot about caregiving on Caregiver SOS on air, but what is it? Caregiving is caring for a family member, a friend, a loved one, someone who's in your life that needs help with bathing, dressing, buying groceries, medical appointments. If you do any of those things, you're a caregiver. And how can this program help? Caregiver SOS On Air has information from people who have been caregivers, who work with caregivers. It can be book authors, scientists, doctors, the latest information on caregiving right here on KLUP. And one of the things we learn from so many folks is they fail to ask for help when they need it. Well, caregivers do need help. We don't like to ask for help, but we need it. And you'll get tips on how to ask for help and how to have a better life as a family caregiver. Plus, there's a great website you can go to, caregiversos.org. Caregiver SOS on air, Sundays at 6 p.m. on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. There ought to be a law against us having so much fun, but we are. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Tamika Sanchez, a registered nurse who works in clinical programs, special projects at WellMed and... Uh, floats from clinic to clinic, trying to make things better for patients. And it's uh, just a delight to have you here. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Now, you were telling me about a program at uh, UT Health. Uh, I had confused Aspire with ACORN. Yes. And what is ACORN? So ACORN is where there's a program that UT Health put together because they recognize the need, like we were talking earlier, for nurses to be in primary care. So they are sponsoring five of their nursing students um, to go through nursing school. And they're in those nursing students, once they graduate, are committing themselves to working in the primary care sector of nursing. I, I couldn't be happier about this program because, again, like we were talking about, it's all about preventative health. And that's where really the focus needs to be. And so if we can get more registered nurses into preventative health, I feel like we can make a greater impact. So they get full tuition. They get full tuition. That's they get pretty their cool. Tu- exactly. They get their tuition and books. And, wow. And they get to even uh, volunteer at some of our well-med uh, clinics and senior centers so they can get firsthand experience in how to care for these patients. I, I just, I love it. I think it's a great idea. So the, it's a grant that they um, that they got, and it's I'm just so proud to be a part of it. My dentist and uh, friend, Dr. Willie Cantu, who went to uh, UT Health, used to be the UT Health Science Center in mm-hmm. dentistry, uh, had most of his tuition waived because he worked on an Indian reservation for several years. Exactly. So it's those small, pop- it's the populations that don't get... Underserved. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what it's about. So we need to put more focus on that because it's not about, it's not just about who's in the hospital. It's reaching people out in the community. And as you think about those programs, uh, certainly you hope they grow. 
Most definitely, because I would love to see more of our nurses go into primary care instead of focusing just on um, what we call uh, acute care or hospital, you know, care. Right. So um, I would love to see that. That way we can have uh, those nurses, like I said, impact our patients in the community uh, on their day to day, you know, every day to day. Now, you're a, a, a big hitter with the National Black Nurses Association. Yes. And we're coming to the end of uh, Black History Month, but every month ought to be Black History Month. <laughs> Thank you. But tell me about the association. Okay. Okay, so um, I'm I'm the vice president of the San Antonio chapter of the Na- of the National Black Nurses Association. Um, I'm very proud of that title. I'm very t- pr- uh, proud of the role I get to serve um, in our community because the National Black Nurses Association really wants to impact. Um, the black community and make sure that we're focusing on the health and the future of our black community. Uh, so there are definitely some health concerns that um, I wouldn't say are specific to African Americans, but are African Americans like are uh, at higher risk for like heart disease. Right. There's higher like risk for, for several diseases. Ex- several diseases. Exactly. And so we want to put um, definitely put that on notice and make sure that um, our, our community knows Listen, we're here. We want to make sure that you get seen. Let's check your blood pressure. Let's, you know, make sure that your your blood glucose is, is you know, within normal limits. Because uh, it's things like that. A lot of times the African-American community, they, aren't, they don't really go to the doctor that much or they don't have access to a doctor um, or they don't trust their doctor. So, yeah, we, we definitely want to make sure that we, you know, get out there and help them. Other neighborhoods in San Antonio which don't have grocery stores, don't have doctors. Uh, it, it's like living in the Wild West. Yes, exactly. And so how do you have that, that high quality of life when you don't have access to the things that are going to keep you healthy? How do you? Yeah. So uh, what we really like getting out to like health fairs and certain things like that so that we can volunteer and make sure that we reach those people right in their communities. That's cool. Yeah, People want it. more information about the association. Is there a website? Yeah, so we definitely have a Facebook page. Um, so I would love if people would you know, reach out to me on, their, on our Facebook page because we can connect and message right through there. That's probably the easiest way to get in touch with us is right on Facebook, and it's the San Antonio Black Nurses Association. Cool. Yeah. And you get to say that twice on the radio. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> San Antonio <laughs> Black plug. Nurses Association. Yes. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming in. Obviously, thank you're you. a delight to oh, talk to you. Thank you, Ron. appreciate it. And this it. has been fun. Yeah. You're at risk of being invited. Back. Okay. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, thank you. You're at risk of having me back. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. And uh, thank your husband for what he does. I will. Thank you so and much. It's so incredibly important. I, yes, I agree. Wow. I agree. We have to have firefighters. Yeah, we do. <laughs> firefighters and police. Thank Gotta you. Gotta have them. Tamika Sanchez, a registered nurse uh, uh, with WellMed Clinical Program Special Projects. And we will talk again soon right here on WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. You've been enjoying WellMed Radio, an exclusive presentation of WellMed Medical Management. Join us next week for more on your health and well-being. For more information on WellMed or to hear this broadcast again, go to wellmedmedicalgroup.com. We'll see you next week on WellMed Radio.